And I'm excited that you're here. We're in week two of this new sermon series we started last week, a uh, new uh, summer-long series. Um, I don't know, it might even take us all the way to Christmas. I don't know how long it'll take us to get through uh, what we're going to be looking at, but the series is called A Summer with King David. And I told you last week that graphic would be different this week, didn't I? Uh, you can tell Hunter's back uh, from vacation, and I appreciate him. Y'all, we have an absolutely awesome staff. Every single one is just precious uh, to me, and they do an amazing job serving our Lord and serving you, uh, the church, and I appreciate them so much. But here's what we're doing in this series this summer is we're going to spend our summer uh, and maybe longer, looking at the life of King David and seeing what God would have you and I to learn uh, from this man that's known in God's Word as a man after God's own heart. And this week we find ourselves here in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, which means we haven't quite made it to David's story yet this morning, but this is all important as we understand the build-up to the life of David, and, and it's just good stuff that I don't want to skip over, but as I was looking at this this week and preparing, I, I don't think in my 25 years of ministry that I have ever preached a sermon from this passage of Scripture. I went back and looked in my notes and and everything, and, and I don't know, I've heard a lot of sermons and Sunday school lessons uh, from this passage, but I, I don't believe that I've ever uh, preached it. Lynette, you may, you may know, she has so many notes and stuff, um, but I don't think I have. But what I want to do this morning is first, I want to give you some context to this passage and what we're looking at and what we're going to be talking about today. You see, we didn't really talk about this a lot last week, but 1 Samuel uh, opens with the fact that Israel is wanting a king, okay? They, they don't have a king. Um, all the other nations around them have these kings, these powerful great men that are kings of their country, and Israel doesn't have one. And so they're wanting a, a king, and, and what, that, what that tells us is, and, and what, this, what God speaks to us here is that they're not trusting God to be their protector and their provider, and so they're wanting a king. And so last week we learned in the story of Hannah that, that God taught them and, and taught us last week that, you know what, a, a king or even their nationality uh, should not be their primary source of their identity, all right? It shouldn't, be, uh, it shouldn't be their source of identity. It shouldn't be their source of security. Their national uh, recognition and their national identity shouldn't be their source of, of happiness. And, and we saw last week that Hannah sought these things in a child, she sought these things in a son, and, and Israel sought this in a king. And, and you know what we, we talked about last week? We also do the same thing. 
We're looking for things. We're looking for people. We're looking for a nationality, if you will, to give us a source of identity, a source of security, and a source of happiness. And we try to find these things a lot of different ways, and we try to uh, find our identity and security and happiness in things like money, uh, in things like uh, family, uh, in things like a, a great body, uh, our abilities, uh, our social status, many other things we try to uh, pursue so that we can have an identity and we can have security and we can have happiness in our lives. But the main thing is this, our real identity, our real security, and our real happiness can only be found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So let's pick it up this morning, starting at verse 1. I appreciate uh, uh, Lauren Wilcox reading our scripture for us this morning. Love, love her. She is, uh, she's, um, how can I put this in a loving way? She's snarky, maybe. Snarky? Uh, she texts me a lot while I'm preaching. Um, I get interesting texts text messages from Lauren, and, and uh, she'll even text and, and say, uh, you're losing me, get back on topic, <laughs> things, things like that. Uh, I get similar texts from my wife, but uh, I, I love Lauren and her family and her mom and dad that's been visiting, and uh, I hope y'all decide to just stay here. Uh, but anyway, let's pick it up this morning, starting in verse 1. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And again, context is important in what we're reading and what we're talking about. And so just so that we're all on the same page this morning, Eli, that is referenced here, is the high priest at this time. All right, Samuel, who was Hannah's son that she had dedicated uh, to the temple by means of a Nazarite vow that she made, which meant she basically gave him up for adoption to the temple. Uh, Samuel was not from the right tribe of Israel to become a priest. He, he wasn't a Levite. Uh, back then, in order to be a priest, you had to come from the tribe of Levi. So your identity was very important. And Samuel didn't come from the right tribe, uh, but because of the faith of Hannah and the vow that she made to God, Samuel now finds himself being raised in the temple by Eli, who is the high priest. And if you weren't here last week and you don't understand all that, I encourage you to go back, listen to the last week's message online, and I think you'll have a little better understanding. But anyway, Samuel grows up in the temple under the direction of the high priest Eli. Now, we also need to know this. Eli had sons of his own, okay? He had two sons. If you read, we're not going to read it all today, but uh, if you read there, you'll learn that he had two sons who were actually in line to become priests. Should Eli die, the natural progression would be for one of his sons to then become the high priest. And uh, so they were in the temple as well, but uh, you can read there in the Scripture that they were doing some really bad things. They were doing immoral things. They were basically using their position uh, to gain wealth and to 
uh, have control uh, over people and situations. And Eli knew this. Eli knew that these things were going on and that his sons were doing this. And, and even though Eli wasn't involved in those things, Scripture tells us, you know, he didn't do anything about it either. And so God tells him that, you know, even though Eli wasn't involved, God tells him that, you know, Eli, because of your silence, because you didn't do anything, he said, I'm going to raise up another priest and your priesthood your lineage to become priest uh, would end. It's not going to be handed down to your sons. And, and so not only is Eli the high priest of Israel, he's in a dark place in his life right now, okay? He's going through a, a really dark place. And not only is the great high priest of Israel in a dark place, but the nation of Israel is in a dark place as well. And so I think we can kind of relate to this this morning because we talked about last week that even our nation, we find ourselves in a, in a dark place as well. So let's continue and see what Scripture says about that. Verse 1, it says, In those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Because they were in a dark place in their relationship with God. And this is important because of their sin. Because of them pursuing uh, other things to give them their identity, their security, and their happiness, instead of looking to God for that, they've been looking to other things. And so they find themselves in this dark place, and so God, He isn't revealing Himself to them the way that He had before. He isn't speaking to them in, in the ways that He had uh, in the past. And, and so... Uh, it was a very, very dark time as their relationship with God uh, would go. And this might be a good place this morning for us to just stop and consider this. Is God revealing Himself to you like He previously did? Is God speaking to you the way that he has before in the past. And if not, if God is not working in your life right now the way that He did in the past, then why not? It's something to think about. It's something to consider. Verse 2, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and laid down. Then it happens again. And then in verse 8, a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. 
And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Notice here it says he laid down. It doesn't say anything about him sleeping. Any of you ever spent a night like that with the Lord? Verse 17, what was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And what Samuel, this young boy, young man, what Samuel told Eli was that both of his sons would die on the same day and that the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, was going to be taken and be lost. Which means that the presence of God was going to be stripped from Samuel. Not uh, from Eli, not Samuel. You, you talk about a difficult message for a young man to have to share. A difficult message for a young man to, to have to speak to this man that he even looked up to, that was a mentor to him. But Samuel faithfully delivered the message of God, which we're going to see in the days ahead set an important precedent for the future in Samuel's life. Because we will learn that Samuel would always be faithful to relay what God said, no matter how difficult it was. No matter how unpopular it was. Samuel would speak the Word of God. And on a side note here, if you pray for your pastor at all, this is how you can pray for me. I hope that you're continually praying for whoever stands in this spot, whether it be me or, or somebody else. Because it's hard to stand up here and face the temptation to tell you what you want to hear. To, to stand up here and face the temptation to tell you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. And to tell you that things are okay when they're really not okay at all. And while my calling is to be a messenger of good news, that also includes sharing the bad news and the word of the Lord that people don't really want to hear. And here's the deal, I struggle with this because I want people to like me, right? I want people to like me. I want to have friends. I want to have a lot of friends. 
And, and I want to I wanna be liked, so pray for me that I won't be a preacher that, that stands up here and tries to persuade you to like me. But I'll be faithful. Pray that I'll be faithful to point you to the one that you should like. The one that you should love. And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I would also encourage you to read your Bible or listen to it being taught with an open heart and an open mind. Understanding that sometimes the Word of God is going to make you uncomfortable. Sometimes the Word of God is going to make us uncomfortable. Maybe even sometimes it's going to make us angry because we don't agree with what it says or what it's saying to us. And let me tell you something. If it doesn't ever make you uncomfortable, then you're not reading it right or the person uh, teaching it is not teaching it right. The Bible will not continually affirm the way that you are. The purpose of the Bible, the Bible is alive, the Bible is active and should be changing your heart and your mind on a continual basis, not affirming the way that you're living and that you're good. We're all a work in process, progress. Another thing about this, before we move on, sometimes people will say, well, I don't think the Bible is really clear on this topic. Maybe, maybe a topic that uh, is popular uh, in the culture, in the world at a particular time, and people will say, well, you know, the Bible isn't really clear about that. And, and so we need to know that there is a difference in the Bible being unclear and it being unpopular. Because here's the deal, the places where people think a lot of times that the Bible is unclear are really just things that are simply unpopular in our culture. Things that the Bible is crystal clear on, things like marriage is to be between a man and a woman, perfectly clear. God's Word is perfectly clear on the design for gender. God's Word is perfectly clear on the dangers of Christian nationalism. Or on the other hand, dependent socialism. And, and topics like, it's crystal clear on how we are to treat the poor. It's crystal clear and tells us about our responsibility to protect life from the womb all the way to the tomb. That we're to be protectors of the human race. Or, or topics like, it's crystal clear on putting God first in our finances. Not always popular, but it's clear. It's clear about our responsibility to make God's kingdom the top priority in our family schedules. Definitely not popular, but it's clear. God first. The Bible is not unclear on these things. You see, these things are just simply unpopular in our world today. And I believe that even though Eli had his faults, obviously... 
He gave Samuel some very sound advice when he told him to reply to the Lord, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can I just ask you today, is that your daily response in your life? Speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. One of the greatest Bible commentators that I've ever known uh, has this written in her Bible. It says, this is the attitude we should have when we start to read God's Word or listen to a sermon. Submitting ourselves to its commanding light and power. I just happen to get to live with the greatest Bible commentator I've ever met. Not only was this important for Samuel, it's important for every single one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, who profess to be Christian. Because of this attitude, because of this mindset, Samuel would go on to become the great prophet that whatever he said became true. And God used him greatly. We're going to see in the days ahead because of the attitude that he approached the Lord with and the attitude that he approached God's Word with. But as great as Samuel was, Jesus is far greater. Samuel, you know, the main takeaway from this story of Samuel is that Samuel is going to point us to King David. But more importantly, Samuel is going to point us to Jesus Christ as well. Because if you think about it, like Samuel, Jesus was born during a dark time as well. A dark time in the history of, uh, of that world and that country. It, it was a time when God's Word and God's speaking was rare. In fact, when Jesus was born, God had been silent for 400 years. And, and like Samuel... Jesus was born at a time when Israel's spiritual leaders were nothing more than just power-hungry. They were apathetic to the disobedience and the sin that was going on. And, and like Samuel, Jesus, he would not have the right pedigree either. He wouldn't have the right pedigree to be a priest. He was born in the wrong location. He was born to the wrong parents. He wasn't rich, he wasn't powerful, he wasn't highly educated, he wasn't raised in privilege. But like Samuel, Jesus surrendered his life and surrendered his will to his Father God. And like Samuel, he would deliver the truth to people even when it was incredibly unpopular. Yes, Samuel was an amazing prophet. He was uh, an amazing priest who prepared the way for King David. But friends, Jesus was the ultimate prophet. Jesus was the ultimate great high priest. Jesus was the king of all kings. Jesus was the faithful shepherd. He was the leader, the protector, the provider and defender that not only did they need, but we need in our hearts and in our families and in our nation as well today. And not only do we need Jesus, not only do we need Him, but 
like Samuel today, we have all been called. You know, we often think that uh, when we hear that someone has been called, we think, well, you know, they've been called to preach or they've been called to be a missionary. But God's Word, again, is crystal clear that we've all been called as His followers to surrender and lay down our life, lay down our plan, lay down our will for the kingdom of God like Jesus did and like Samuel did and like Hannah did. We've been called not only to be faithful when we first accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we have been called to be faithful all the way through to the end. It's not just about being faithful to pray a prayer at the beginning and call it good. You see, we've been called to be faithful to Him all throughout our lives until uh, the very end of our lives. But here's the most important thing today. God has extended an invitation to every single one of us. He has called every single one of us by name. The question is, when He calls our name, when He calls us to follow Him, when He calls us to be faithful to Him, to the end, will our response be, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening and then be faithful to what He says. Faithful to what He speaks into our lives. You see, God doesn't just call pastors. God doesn't just call priests and missionaries. He calls us all to this kind of faith. To this kind of commitment. To this kind of surrender. He calls us all to surrender to His will and to His ways. Will you listen? Will you hear His call? As He calls you by name, will your response be, Yes, Lord, to what He's calling you to? And you know what? Today you may be, be here, you may be listening online, and His call to you specifically today, He's calling you by name to accept Him. To accept Him in faith. To trust Him. To place your faith in Him and surrender your life and your plans to Him because you've never really done that. Maybe today you would say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And He says, I want to adopt you. I want you to be my son or be my daughter. Today will your response be, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He may be calling you today to be faithful in your walk with Him at work. He may be calling you today to be faithful to Him in your business decisions. He may be calling you today to be faithful to Him in your finances. He may be calling you today to be faithful to Him on the ball field or at school or on the playground. You know what? He he may be calling you today by name to say, I need some work done that only you can do. He may be calling you to volunteer, to get involved 
Because you see, the church, the body of Christ, it's not just a place that you go to. The church isn't a place that you go to, but it's who you are. And can I just tell you this morning, if you're not involved, then are you really a part of the church? If you're not involved with the work that He's called us to do as the body of Christ, if you're not involved in that, then are you really a part of the church that He's called you to be? Here's what I know. The Lord is continually calling. He's continually calling. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Will your answer today be, Yes, Lord. As we close this morning with a time of prayer, maybe you just need to take a step out and come to this altar in your response, Yes, Lord. Maybe this morning you would like to come and pray for a situation that's going on or someone in your family. Friends, I, I invite you to come this morning in prayer. We have, we have so many people that need prayer, that need our prayers. I, I was talking to my, my really good friend, partner in kingdom building. I was talking to Ron Riddle this past week after the tragedy that happened to many of you. I know have heard of our pastor that pastors the Cowboy Church in Bismarck. He actually helped start, he helped Ron and Wanda start the church over there in El Paso. And then felt a call on his life to go and be a leader of people. To be a shepherd to people over there at the Bismarck Church and him and his three kids were involved in a tragic accident. A train hit the vehicle that they were in, killed his two daughters. They were dead on the scene. And him and his son were both flown to separate hospitals. I, I text Ron because I knew these kids were like kids to him and their kids were like grandkids to Ron and Wanda and Ron and Wanda have been through a lot they lost a young granddaughter tragically in her sleep just a few months ago Wanda's been battling cancer multiple surgeries multiple chemo treatments just two weeks ago the, another granddaughter got all of her fingers cut off of one hand by a lawnmower except for a pinky. They have been through so much. And I text Ron and I said, Brother, my heart is broke for you. I love you and I'm praying for you. And he responded back, I'll be honest, I'm broken. Maybe some would come this morning and specifically pray for our cowboy, Crossroads Cowboy Church family today that's hurting. 
pastor that's hurting, a family that is facing the unimaginable right now. They're our brothers and sisters. Pray for the Tapley family. And then I got notified this morning that Lisa Simmons' mother passed this morning. Friends, we have nowhere to turn except our Lord. When I text Ron and I said, what can I do? He said, would y'all just do what the only thing that we can all do? And that's pray. So I invite you to come this morning as we close with a word of prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. You know today that uh, your precious sons and daughters, the body, the body of Christ has been through a lot lately. We've lost so many. And even though they're not lost, we know exactly where they are, their absence. leaves a hole in our hearts, in our homes, and in the body of Christ. And God, while I know that you fill those empty spaces and empty places with your presence, God, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. But we have so many today that are hurting Hearts literally broken and hurting. God, please be with Chad and Rachel. 
I cannot even imagine where they're at emotionally and mentally. God, we pray for healing for Chad and their precious son, that you would restore them. But God, the pain and the hurt that they must be going through at the loss of those precious girls. Minister to them in, in a way that only you can. I pray for my friend Ron, Wanda, in that church today. I know that they are by his own omission, broken. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, and not just to them, but through them. I know that you're going to use them, and, and God, just be with Ron and, and sustain him and give him strength and, and wisdom and God, as, as He speaks to he He's going to represent you. He's going to stand before that family. He's going to stand before friends. He's going to stand before congregations and represent you. God, use Him in such a powerful way that it would be evident that you are in absolute and full control. And you are who you say you are. And you do what you say you do. And your promises are kept. And I know that tragedy and things like this are not something you get over. But I do know that there's something that you get through. With your help. Help them through. Be with the Tapley family. Draw them close and comfort them. This great loss that they've experienced. Be with Lisa and David. And I know she is. She's been through so much with her mom and her dad. God, just wrap her in your arms. Draw her close. Give her the strength. Give her the help. Be exactly what she needs in every moment of every day as she goes through another loss. God, I thank you for your word today and what it reminds us of that We've all been called. It's not just preachers and missionaries. We've all been called to be faithful, to build your kingdom, to do kingdom work. And I trust what you've spoken to hearts today. You're clearly calling us by name. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And I pray that in faith, 
and faith in you and who you are that our answer will always be yes Lord and we'll walk with you through whatever it is that you've called us to and experience your goodness and your grace as we journey together I thank you for the love that you've shown us the love that you have for us the love that's been demonstrated and I pray now that as we go from this place as the church as the body of Christ we'll be an extension of that love and that grace so that other people would see you through us use us Lord Our response today is, yes, yes, Lord, we will be faithful to the end. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we close together with our benediction? I ask you to read it with me. Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. I love you. God bless you.